Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I'm worried driving the car with today and she teaches. I'm not going to give this any more credence. I'm not going to let that person win. I will not be a victim. We have nothing to put the patient onto, so they're safe for on an ambulance trolley. What I did in the morning, PJ, is crack. It's like outing. Join the conversation. Call 0818969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96FM. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. Andrew, thank you for the laugh. I, I'll get to it later, but thank you for the laugh that you sent in um, to do with our long discussion this week about the cashless society and its inexorable, um, you know, effect on our future but thank you Andrew you made me laugh on a sad morning a desperately sad morning um, thinking of the people who knew and who loved and were connected to young Jack O'Sullivan who did the simplest thing any youngster wants to do go for a swim with his friends in the in the seawater there near Passage West yesterday afternoon we don't know what happened to him one report said he banged his head but uh, Jack passed away. His body was found around four o'clock and everyone this morning is talking about the incredible effort that went in to, to finding him and to uh, the recovery, sadly, of his body. The Coast Guard, the Rescue 117 helicopter, the RNLI, the Naval Service, the Fire Service, Ambulance, Gardaí, Mallow Search and Rescue people, they all just piled in when the alarm was raised yesterday afternoon. He was a popular young lad about to go into second year at Colosh de Eamon Reish. Our thoughts are with everybody there this morning. Uh, Finbar's Jason Finbar's member of the bars, keen member of the bars, huge club, a huge membership across that part of town. We think of all of them, particularly the young lads who had known Jack and, and played with him. And everybody in Passage, uh, this tragedy occurred in, in their neighbourhood. It's, it's so sad, so, so sad. It's every parent's worst nightmare and that a youngster will go out and just do something as normal as going for a swim on a warm day. And then, well, you know what happens. On a happier note, can I wish everybody best of luck? The results are out at 10 o'clock. The leaving cert results. Best of luck to everybody. Don't mind what's in the news about grades this and inflated that and average. Don't mind that. Get your piece of paper, get your grades. It's your day. Celebrate in your own way. If it goes great, then it goes great and I'm happy for you. If it doesn't go so great, there'll be another day, there'll be another opportunity. It doesn't define you. That piece of paper is just a piece of paper. I guarantee you, in five years' time, 
no one's going to give a curse, including yourself, what was on that piece of paper. So that's just my my take on it. If you saw my leaving cert, let's. If you saw my leaving cert, you'd say, how the So there you go. Good morning, 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text, or WhatsApp, 083 396 96 96. Now, yesterday morning, we were talking to Donna uh, and to other parents and people connected to the Before Five Family Centre in Churchfield. They'd gotten a text message on Wednesday uh, to say the place was closing. There was no detail in the text messages that subsequently followed a statement issued to the opinion line and indeed to many other sources saying there was, as the board said, a myriad of reasons for the closure. Among those who got a text message with little or no detail in it were the staff and they met yesterday to try to put some sense to what had happened. Now, Mary Barry, uh, Mary, you worked at long term. You worked there long term. Is it is it nearly twenty more than twenty years? You've worked there. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Thanks very much. Yes, it is. Just I suppose as a note of condolence too to Jack O'Sullivan yes. and his family. Yes, indeed. You know, as your top story, just thinking of them as well. Yeah. yeah. It's um, been a tough old yeah, week for you, so, Mary. You know, it is, it is indeed. And um, I suppose I have personally have worked at the Before Five Family Centre for over 20 odd years. Um, I worked there provi- initially as a preschool worker in the 90s. Um, I was away out, out of Cork, but I subsequently came back and I've been there since 2000 mm. um, working at the Before Five Centre. So I feel very much part of the community. And I suppose as a staff body, we are equally in shock. We are heartbroken. Um you, I, I know your story yesterday carried a lot of the history of the centre. Um, it's there 48 years, established in the 70s, built by the community, fundraised by the community. Um, over the years, it has always responded to community need. And I suppose we would have prided ourselves on the relationships we had with with our families, with the children that came through. Um, and, you know, no more than Donna and the other parents yesterday, you know, to, to receive news like that a week mm. ahead of opening is it's it's a shock. Yeah. yeah. Now, even as the most experienced or one of the most experienced staff members up there, Mary, yeah. you and your colleagues, you'd no idea this was coming. You just found out by text. Was it Wednesday? It was Wednesday, yeah. Now, to be fair, we we knew there were financial challenges. We were informed of that. Um, the sort of beginning of May. Um, and we were told by the board of trustees at the time that they were engaging with, they would have been engaging with Cork City Childcare, they would have been engaging with other agencies um, to try and resolve the situation, so to, to, to name that and to be fair to that. But our understanding through June and July was that, that things were in progress, negotiations were in progress, um, that there was hope that there would be another a community provider able to to take over the management of the centre um, and up until Wednesday that was our belief that that was going to happen and start next week um, but when we got the text um, that was it and then yesterday we were informed that the company is actually going into liquidation yeah 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 that that emerged and will and will be closed yeah 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 there's a vigil um, being planned uh, next yes. Tuesday at, at one, and you're going to join the parents. At one, yeah. yeah. 
We are. Yes, we're going to liaise. We were planning, we, we kind of came up with it yesterday and then we realised that in fairness and thanks to Donna Cambridge um, for taking that initiative and for, you know, we know Donna, we know her family, we, you know, um, we know her son. So we are liaising, we are liaising with the parents and I suppose our goal really, PJ, is we, we're, we're a community centre, we're part of the community, we belong in the community. It's been established for a long time. I suppose just to give you some numbers, I mean, there, it's more than just a preschool and a crash service. Um, it would have established as that there's an after school program that has up to over 40 children attending weekly. There's a play therapy service that was initiated in the last four years to bring play therapy work to the community as well at an affordable and accessible arrangement. There would have been over over 30 over 30 families accessing that in the last year. There's adult classes and I think that's important to know too and we're appealing to all of those people to come out on Tuesday. Um, the adult classes, I can tell you, are vital in the service as well. There are members and I hope they don't mind me saying so but there are members in the community, senior members, who come there for social gatherings. Yeah. They come there for their yoga. They come there for their art classes. They're as much the heart of the community as the yeah. children are. This, this is far more than just a school and a creche, Mary. This is not just a preschool and a creche. It's huge. It's like the centre, you know, and I'm sure there are stories and we'd hope that people will come and tell their stories on Tuesday. We know we're hoping the press will be there. We're hoping we have to be fair to the local politicians and the councillors. They are rallying around us. You know, I think they're in shock. We're all in shock at the turnaround. of the, We have a week to turn this around, if that's possible, if that's feasible. Mm. Um, but it is the story of the community. It's not the story of a preschool closing along with all the other preschools that are under threat and have struggled under the childcare sector. There's a story here about community voluntary family resource centres, you know, constantly facing challenges, financial challenges, financial difficulties, constantly looking for numbers, being put to the pin of their collar for quantitative, you know, what are the numbers, what are the numbers when we're trying to mm. deliver qualitative services to, to, a, to a community that really needs it. I mean, you don't need me to tell you all the research that's there about early years intervention, yeah. early years prevention. Yeah. You know, I'm working myself in the therapeutic service and we're looking at supporting young children and children's emotional well-being and health so that they won't go down the road of mental health and strain and drugs and addiction laterally in life. Yeah. So the centre offers a huge service to the community and it's, it belongs to the community. You know, I'm just a voice for the staff and I, you know, I don't want to speak for the community, but there are voices out there in this story. There are many, many voices. Well, can I just say to you, Mary, um, that I, I would have connections, shall we say, in the child yeah. and family sector. And I was talking yeah. to those connections over the last 24 hours and every single one of them said, you provided and have provided a brilliant service. Well, we, we have, you know, I don't want to preach for myself, but we have constantly looked to provide professional, you know, top quality Montessori education. Our staff have continuously developed. We have the luxury of maintaining a staff body, and this is significant. Most people are there over 20 years. Yeah. The majority of the staff are local people. Some of them would have started on community employment schemes. You look at what this has offered. They came in, they, they did the childcare training. They've progressed into room leads. They've, you know, the, the heart of the community 
is in the before five centre. It's not external forces coming in and doing, you know, working there. It is the people and local people and it's local families. Um, I could, I mean, I've been there, as I say, I, 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 I know parents walking in the door now. I worked with them as preschool children. Wow. And they're bringing their own children back. That you know, so you volumes. have this continuity. It, it just there's a continuity of service, and we have faced challenges in the past. This is this is life. We have gone through the before five has gone through two recessions. It has gone through changes in the regulations. It's gone through. It has had to cut its cloth over the years. It has lost service. It's grown services. It has lost staff. It's you know, things change and we evolve. But this. In all the history of Before Five, this is the first time we've got to this point of closure. Now, SIP2, you have the support and of SIP2. Yeah, we have the support of SIP2 um, and we have the support of the local councillors and, and politicians. What we're asking for now is that support to come out really loud, really big on Tuesday. Um, we want, you know, anybody who's had any involvement in the centre from 1975 up to 2023 to be there to bring their children, to bring, to be the children that were there in the past, to be the adults who, you know, COVID had a huge effect for, on the social fabric. The Before five was one of that social fabric for, for people in the community. And we were only able to open our doors to that aspect of the work in the last two years. And people came back, people who, who were there before, they missed, they missed that aspect of meeting their neighbours, meeting, you know, their class, their colleagues in their interests at the centre. Mm. I, know, I, I, I mean, I could go on for hours, PJ, no, no, but no, I know I, you I, don't have hours. I sense your enthusiasm. I sense your enthusiasm and your love for the work you've been doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 It is a shame. It is It is a shame. We are heartbroken, you know. I know that you can't talk about what's going on in the background. I respect that. But there is a lot mm. going on. And the hope is that something could be done. But in the meantime, tell people about this yeah. get together. When is it? It's Tuesday, next Tuesday, I think it's the 29th, um, at one o'clock, outside the gates, we have a beautiful mural, I don't know if you're familiar with it, on the wall outside the, the, the premises. Um, we've rallied there in the past, we're going to rally there again, um, and I suppose we're reaching out to, as I say, anybody at any point who ever crossed the threshold of before five to come. Um, and, and I know there are stories, I know you will hear voices that will say, my child did this, my mother did this, my grandmother was part of this. We, you know, women went back to college through the through early years support of the before five going back, you know, in the 80s, the 90s. Um, it continues to, to respond to community need okay. as much as we can within the funding constraints. And that's the bigger question then, of course, of national and government structures. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So so Tuesday, the 29th, August, Tuesday, 29th at one o'clock at the centre. At yeah. the centre. At the centre, outside the centre. Yeah. All right. Okay. Flags, bells, whistles, the works. All right. Are you, <laughs> okay. You, and we appreciate your support too. No, no. It, um, PJ, I, I was very shocked yeah. to hear about it. Very shocked to hear yeah. it yesterday. And I, and I know that the good people connected to it, the parents, the workers, everybody who supported before five over the last, I was amazed, nearly 50 years. They're not going down without a fight here. Not on your nelly. Uh, thank you, Mary Barry the longest serving staff member at the Before Five Family Centre in Churchfield Hill. There was some call last evening to get people around a table, to get the board around a table, to get maybe the Bishop of Cork 
around a table because the diocese, the bishopric of the diocese has a connection here because I believe it owns the building. And just get everybody around the table and see what can be done. According to the Echo, uh, local Fianna Fáil TD, uh, Padraig O'Sullivan, was saying there might be another provider already interested. We'll have to see there. Um, there's a sense of despondency, disappointment, sadness, shock that this has come about. But there seems to be, I just get a sense, there seems to be a sense of hope to that it's not fully over. Uh, the Federation of Early Childhood Providers will also hold an emergency public meeting at the Oriel House Hotel out in Ballincollig to do with the general issue of child care in Cork. That's Sunday 27th, this Sunday, at 7 o'clock at the Oriel in uh, Ballincollig. 0818969696. Yeah, Donna Cambridge was just mentioning again, 1 o'clock, Tuesday 29th, We're not taking this lying down. We have to stand up and fight. There's a Facebook page and you can keep in touch with further developments. And it's one we'll stay with. 0818 96 96 96. All right, do you want to smile? Do you want to smile? Talking about cashless all week and people uh, wanting to keep the choice and the money doctor John Lowe saying, unfortunately, by about 2031, it looks like we will be gone cashless. The NCT saying no cash anymore. It's all got to be paid up front now by card or by postal order. They won't be taking any cash at the at the counter. So Andrew, uh, who spent a lot of his life just being mischievous with logos. Andrew is a bit of a mischief maker in the logo department. He's come up with a whole new logo for the NCT. And according to Andrew, it now stands for... Yeah, you've guessed it. No cash taken. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Question 10. What county is the smallest in Ireland? Loud. My hands are shaking. Sarah, I don't know about you. My hands are rattling here. You're killing me here, lad. Please be loud. You said loud. <laughs> now I feel really bad oh, for no. making you wait to tell you you've just won 2,000 euros. Oh, Two grand minutes. I'm getting money. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. The money. On Cork's 96FM. There are some scam messages going around. New ones that we haven't seen before. There's one doing the rounds. Uh, the, the, the Queen Bee got it. She can't find it again. It was on a Twitter feed of hers, but she got it. It's to do with someone is claiming that the army are locking down Dublin this weekend to clamp down on antisocial behaviour. Now, we know there's antisocial behaviour, we know there's terrible assaults. There's actually an interview with uh, Mr. Termini, the American uh, tourist who was assaulted in Dublin. That's in a couple of your papers this morning. That's just a by the by. But there's, there's a fake message going around that the army are going to lock down Dublin from the weekend and will only allow people in and allow them out if they show ID. It's absolute 
guff. But it's going around and some somebody will believe it. Here's another one then. Um, we got this one sent it in. It went to spam in this person's messages, which it should go because it's guff. Uh, this message purports to come from Gada Shikhana Neheran. We are contacting you in order to clarify certain points about you. Please answer us as soon as possible to discuss and find out more. Okay, fine. <laughs> but we know what we'll do with that particular message anyway. Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Later this morning, I'll be chatting with Jerry Adams. Jerry is in Cork this weekend. He's signing copies of his book of short stories. And he's also here for the commemoration of the hunger strikes. And in the book, in the book, he has written some stories, some short stories about the hunger strikers and about what they were going through in, in prison. And it's fiction based on fact. We'll chat with Jerry later this morning about writing, about books, about his love of writing. Did you know he's written, he's written nearly 20 books? I didn't know that. We'll chat with Jerry Adams uh, a bit later this morning. 0818 96 96 96. Now, you know that down in Douglas, there is an enormous car park, the Aldi. Remember, they knocked the cinema, they built the Aldi, and the car park, the huge, huge car park. It's, it's Aldi car park, but everybody uses it. And there's a, an old, you can, it's, it's just vast. It's vast. And Martin, you got in touch with us because there's a bit of antisocial behaviour going on in that car park at night that, that you, wanted to, you wanted to bring to, to our attention. Good morning. Good morning. Well, cars come in here at about 12 o'clock. It started about six months ago. It wasn't very regular that time. It used to be maybe a Friday night or mm. a Saturday. It seems to be seven nights a week now they're coming in. And this will be after the Aldi store is closed and all that? Yeah, it can start around 12 o'clock onwards. They can they keep blowing their horns. It's like they're talking to each other through the horns of the car. Mm-hmm. They rev their engines. And these are no ordinary cars. Like They have the exhaust pipes and these things. They're so loud. Yes. And then the cars backfire, and it can go on till three o'clock in the morning. Really? They're racing each other up and down the car park as well. This is over sort of at the back of the old bank, if you want. As you drive into the car park, it's on the left-hand side, yeah? It is, yeah. And does the car Uh, park close at all by now? No, they can can drive in here any time because, well, there's no barriers or anything. They have access to the car park 24 hours. I see. You live in nearby, you were? I'm living nearby, yeah. And there's loads of flats here, and I don't know how anybody can sleep. I have a partner then, and she has to get up for work at 4 o'clock in the morning, and she's awake all night with them. Has anybody phoned the guardy? Well, I don't see any guards around. And I don't know what can they do anyway, because if they clear them, they'll only come back again. Yeah. And the guard station is only up around the corner. Yeah. And I'm also surprised that they can't even hear the cars from there. Yeah. They're so loud. Yeah. There's hardly anyone ever in that guard station. That's that's an old one of mine, like this big guard station. God, the FBI would be proud of it, the facilities yeah. that are in it. And, and there's never anybody there. And you see the thing about it, the weather then is so hot. We have to keep our windows closed at night. 
which is another, you can't sleep with the heat either. Yeah. And it's not even that it controls the wind, it's that it don't block the noise, but it just makes it a bit easier, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, t- three o'clock, I think it went on. I don't know, was it Tuesday or Wednesday night this way? Yeah. Three o'clock in the morning. And they're raving, and they're blowing their horns. Yeah, they must I- be asleep. They must be asleep all day, because how can they stay up all night? And they can't, I don't know what they do during the day for a living or... Yeah. It's funny, when I saw your email come in, I was only down in Aldi the other night, maybe 22 quarters to 10, getting eggs and milk and butter, you know, yourself. Yeah. And yeah, there was yeah. a few lads over on that side of the car park. And, and I thought, well, they're revving up a bit, but they're not really doing any harm. You're saying it's later that the problem... It's, it's late. It's, a, it's after 12. I see. And you know, and that car park is empty as well. And the way the houses are built... It, de- it gives off an awful echo. It yeah. makes the twice as loud. Yes. Yeah. Which is worse again. Like, but it, I mean, it's really antisocial behaviour. They don't seem to care about anybody who's trying to sleep during the night. Yeah. And they be shouting or roaring out there. I got up one night last week and it was after 12 o'clock and there was four or five lads out there playing tennis. Tennis? Yeah. At 12, after 12. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing, it just sounds so mad. I know. <laughs> you laugh at it, all right, but it's when you're trying to get off work in the I morning, know, you can't I know, sleep. But I know, I know. Something else I spotted, actually, uh, is, is it looked like a camper van, and, and there yeah. was fellas out the back of it in camping Maybe chairs, they notching into a KC's, like. Yeah. And, and the rubbish that's left after them, in the car park every morning you get up. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's horrible, like. Sometimes there, that car park's like a bomb with half in it when you get up in the morning. And who cleans it then? There's a guy who works down in um, McDonald's. I see. And I see him coming up every morning cleaning up the car park. Good for him. But it's not even his job. I don't think it's just that he does it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of... When you can't sleep at night, you're tired. You're tired all day long. Yes, you are. Yes. And as you say, there's no guards up the road. The nearest guards have been talking. Have, have you tried calling them? I haven't. It's really getting bad over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. We tolerated it when it was only weekends. Yes. But now it seems to be every night of the week they're at it. Well, I've no doubt, Martin, if you're having that problem, others are. Maybe they'll call. The best yeah, we can do is highlight it for you, and we've done that. Thanks, KJ. You're more than welcome. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, cheers, Martin. I know that car park well, but at three o'clock in the morning, I'm talked up and made sound asleep, so I, I would have no idea that that was going on until I got Martin's message during the week. David was on. He says, PJ is like that melancholic too. The young fellas racing near Tesco, revving their cars, making a general racket. And there's a bang of weed off it every time you walk past them. It's annoying hearing the cars flying around the town late at night. Their stupid, souped-up exhausts. Yeah, thanks for that, David. Anyone else come across that in... In the Aldi car park in Douglas. I shouldn't really call it the Aldi car park because Aldi only share it. Aldi only have a bit of it. Um, the, whoever's responsible for cleaning it up, that chap, that Martin says, there's a guy who comes over from McDonald's and, and cleans it up in the morning, um, which is good if he is. Maybe, maybe it is part of his job. I don't know. I don't know. Martin doesn't know either. 
But certainly there's a problem down there with, with noise. Bernie was on. She said, did you see primetime last night? They had guards on. I didn't see it, Bernie, but I heard about it. Guards on who'd left the force because they feel they can't fight crime. At one stage, they were told when they asked senior officers about confronting thugs, if they were outnumbered, they were told to hide behind the wall. It was an eye-opener, says Bernie. Speaking of the Aldi, uh, I was in last night, <laughs> and there inside the door, the first stack, big, big, big pallet, eight foot of it, of celebrations boxes. And I took a picture, and I said, and so it begins. Christmas is arriving. It's 122 days away. But anyway, um, Christmas is arriving. And I, I took a picture and I, I tweeted the picture. Or, do you tweet these days or do you X? Which do you do? Anyway, I tweeted or X'd, choose for yourself, the picture. And, and, and I said, ah, oh, well, it made me smile. It's only 122 days to go. Some people were horrified. It's way too early way too early. Other people just smiled and said, ah, that's grand now. Yeah, and then someone sent me a picture of Tesco where there are selection boxes in Tesco. I am delighted to see it. 0818 96 96 96. Dennis wants to... Dennis is experiencing antisocial behaviour down in East Cork. Talk to him next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Do you want to leave a legacy to the city you love? Find out more about leaving a gift in your will at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96 FM. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Now, Martin was complaining about antisocial behaviour in the car park in Douglas, and then Dave, is it Dave, was on about uh, Ballincolleg. Dennis, what are you seeing and where? Good morning. <laughs> I'm in East Cork. Good morning, PJ. And. Um, well, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of antisocial behaviour everywhere, really. I guess, uh, PJ. But you know. Um, are there any laws on, on antisocial behaviour? I, I fear not, to be honest with you, because, you know, it seems to be in the city, it's in the county, it's everywhere. Mm. Public you order act, I suppose, is the best, really. Martin was saying that, look, even if you, even if they could find a guard to go into the car park and, and clear the lads, should they back in half an hour? That's yeah, the problem. But, what, but what, why, why is there not a law that, that, that they can be prosecuted and they can be not... They can, you know, I know our, our prisons are probably to the gills hmm. but you know they're, they're, they're absolutely doing you know I even have I have antisocial behaviour here which, which I, I probably not not nice to mention you know, but with neighbours okay. and uh, every time I call guards out it's just oh uh, there's not much we can do about this you know hmm. but you know I mean we have a court system and what is the court system doing you know hmm. you know I mean I, 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 as I said to your your, um, your colleague there I was in the USA many, many years ago. Yeah. It was Labor Day. Yeah. And uh, there was a couple of young lads getting um, boisterous and 
this uh, cop car just came down the street, sirens on. Uh, two minutes later, you wouldn't hear it then drop in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you see the, the, the same uh, in know, Spain, even young, young fellas on the corner. They do not tolerate um, uh, antisocial behaviour there. And Spain had a, you probably know, PJ, Spain had a terrible problem in Costa Sol, especially. That's right. With uh, young louts coming over right. from all over the world. Just you, causing terrible chaos. You, you don't but mess with the police here, local over there, like, and, why, so. and we did have it here, at PJ. I, I, I know Lord Richard Father. He was a, a guard himself. Right. But I mean, long ago, PJ. I'm sure you. I know I was. I was terrified of the guards because you knew that if you stepped out of line, that you would be in. You'd be in serious trouble. Yeah. You know. You'd be hauled before your father or your mother. You'd and told, be kicked yeah. up the backside and you'd probably get a flaking off the, off the guards as well. Which you wasn't know? necessarily the best thing, but I know what you mean. You know, I mean, no, it's not. I do agree with you there. But, I mean, we do, you know, I mean, certainly... Yeah, I, I, think that, I think what the best... The best we can't take it out on, on youngsters and, uh, and teenagers uh, nowadays. Well, I, would, the, I, I would certainly the, the, agree with that. The best way to describe it now, Dennis, would be that, like you said, back in your day or my day or my father's day, if you saw a guard coming... Uh, and you were oh, up to no good, you ran, you ran, right? You'd now, be gone. <laughs> now they turn and spit at the guards, Dennis. Oh, they do. Yeah, but I mean, we need to get that respect back, you know? I mean, flipping heck, like, it, I, you know, I was talking to, to uh, somebody that I know, and they were in Spain, and they had a couple too many one night, yeah. and they got flaked about. And he said, he said, he said, personally, put, I put my hands up, and he said, he said they were completely right. He said, because I was... Mm. I was I'd, I'd way too many, and I was I was just uh, being an being an idiot. He says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And, uh, you know, yeah. I, 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 I tell a story. <laughs> I tell a story sometimes about something I saw in Santa Panza when I was on holidays a few years ago. We were sitting in a restaurant having dinner, and we, this fellow was getting very leery now outside up and down a little side street. Clearly, he'd been drinking for about the last three days, and he had the, the top off, and he was roaring at the four walls. And what's he doing? He picked up a crowbar. Probably trying to take on the wall. <laughs> he picked up a crowbar. Oh. And he starts whirling it around. I said, well, if he did, the police here local got oh. off his bike. Now, he was about the size of the entire Munster back row in one man. I tell you, he didn't swing that he crowbar a second time. For long more. Yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, personally speaking, uh, I, I'm personally... On the belief that we that we we should actually we should actually arm our police because we're getting to a certain stage that that you know we we just, we just have a total lack of respect. Yeah, and well, that was know, clear. People, I didn't see prime time, but I'm hearing enough about it. You know, you know, people think you know. I mean, they're they're they are laughing at the guards. I've I've heard of people that that are are putting up with noise and you know the guard they call the guards and they come along the. The whoever's making the noise will just start laughing into the guard's face and go, you know, pardon my language, F you. You know, I don't want to be using bad language. No, no, no. Go away home, no buy. Show, they say, you know? They'll actually say to the guard, go away home, no buy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and you know, I mean, where do you go from there? You know? Oh, I know. You <laughs> really, know where do you go from there, PJ? You know, where I mean, you, you know where you'd like to go, but there you go. You know, right. I mean, um, that's, I mean, we really do need to, we need to, um, we need to, we need to, up our, our judicial system. Yeah, right. Dennis, leave it there. Thank you very much. 0818 96 96 96. He has 
Antisocial behaviour in East Cork. Martin's got it in Douglas. Dave has it in Ballincollig. The guards would appear to be powerless. Even if you call them and they move on, the fellas in the cars, sure, they're back in it half an hour later. And Dennis is right. What law is there to actually enforce other than public order? 0818969696. Now, the number of pubs that's closing up and down the country would actually frighten you. In 2022, that's just last year, 108 pubs around the country closed their doors. Now, Cork had among the biggest numbers. Michael, Dun- Michael Donovan is from the Vintners Federation here in Cork. Michael, you have the local figures and it's it's pretty bleak. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, the local picture is stark when, I, when you read it on paper. Um, there was 108 closures of pubs nationally last year, of which Cork had exactly 50%, 54. So it shows the level of pubs that are disappearing here in Cork County and Cork City um, and it's very concerning really for uh, for our trade going forward. And in general, when someone closes their doors, do they talk to their association, do they talk to their VFI, do they talk to you about why? Some do, PJ, some are private about it, but uh, some do talk and, you know, um, it's it's nearly always the same, to be honest. Uh, um, the it's the perfect combination of rising costs and uh, declining business. And look, you don't have to be a mathematician to work out that if the if the till isn't ringing enough and the um, and the cost base is rising, um, the simple decision is it's it's not viable, to be honest. So that's what's happened for a lot of them. And I suppose it's really the vast majority of the 54 that we've seen. Uh, here in Cork have been in rural um, uh, locations and like it's just people are migrating away, transport uh, is an issue and um, and the cost base, you know energy or electricity or gas as I've been on with you before saying they're still at an all time high um, and this is why we're putting out this week these figures in regard to the excise because it's something that's in the government's gift going to a budget and we're asking them to reduce it by 7.5% this year, 7.5% next year. Just for the benefit of listeners, I was doing some numbers, uh, Michael, some rough calculations. The excise duty on a point, a regular point, is about 55 cents in this country. That is also subject to VAT. Yeah, it looked... uh between VAT and excise, there's about 95 cents on a point. Um, and that's, you know, half and half, really. The, the excise makes up, as you said, about 55 cents of the, of the point. So it's, it's something that the government have within their gift and it would be a real help to us all if, uh, if the government would consider it and to give pubs a fighting chance to survive in the years ahead. The other argument is you're asking for a cut in taxes on what is a luxury item. Yeah, it is a luxury item, um, and you know, we're, I've often said that you know we depend on people's disposable income, their discretionary income, really, even of that, um, and it's an entertainment. Um, but you know, people like to get out and socialise. It's what we do here in Ireland, and you know, it attracts a lot of tourists in, and like pubs in those locations, you know, they've invested into them. Lots of them have put beer gardens, and yes. uh, lots of them have done other works, especially since the pandemic. And one of the big things is they create employment in areas that there might not be other employment you know they give college students they give part time work uh, here in Cork you know there's about um, last time we 
to check um, there was about 12,500 people employed across the pub wow. industry directly. Wow. And then when you consider the indirect jobs in breweries, distilleries, the bread man, the milkman, it all adds into the wider economy. So when pubs start disappearing, you know, it, it has knock-on effects to other industries as well. Yeah, so it is a luxury item, but it's a luxury item that employs a lot of people. Fair point to be made. What about the behaviour of people, Michael, since the pandemic? I was only observing... Myself, in the last few months, when you go to a pub now for a pint, the place is deserted at quarter past 11 on a Friday night. Whereas in the past, it would have been like crowbar them out the door at 1am. Yeah, it is a phenomenon that we've seen uh, coming out of the pandemic. But I suppose the, the other side of that, PJ, is people are coming out earlier. Um, they're coming out earlier in the evening and they're uh, going home earlier. Mm. And I think one of the big things is maybe transport. You know, they organise spins. They're looking at the taxis. You know, taxis were hard to get there for a while, but I think it is improving. A lot of people go for the um, late buses. You know, the like we've, we're in the city, we're lucky, we're privileged that we have a bus service, unfortunately, in rural. Ireland, they're not so privileged and not so lucky to have that. So people are organising spins and I suppose the other aspect of it is the morning after, you know, yeah. that that's, yeah. uh, that has a, a knock-on effect. If you're working uh, and driving the following morning, people are nervous so they, they do go home earlier but counter to that sometimes they do come out a bit earlier and especially on a Saturday it's very noticeable you know from 3 o'clock on you know people are out but you're right come 11, half 11, 12 a lot of them are, are making their way home Very much a change in a change in behaviour we're only 60 something days to the Jazz Festival Michael and then we'll be running in to Christmas how crucial is it that the next few months are busy and do bring ringing tills how many of your member pubs are depending on that? Uh, I'd say we're all depending on it is the honest answer, PJ, because, um, you know, summer in some locations has been okay. I won't say it's been great. Mm. Um, weather and all combinations. Um, so for, for all, really, um, as you're pointing out, the jazz is only, you know, what is it, seven weeks away. Um, a lot of looking forward to that. And then from jazz to Christmas, you know, we, we're hopeful that there'll be um, a good steady trade because we need to see us through with what are traditionally the lean months of January and February to get us to March uh, when hopefully season will change again. And, you know, there's the uncertainty of the energy crisis again coming of what's going to happen with prices this winter. So there's a real concern uh, about the cost base um, and also the budget, I suppose, the uh, minimum wage being talked about increasing, and that's pro rata then with wages. Um, people look for increases. So it is, uh, it's, you know, there's lots of worries and lots of concerns at the moment. You mentioned the budget. That's only about 50 days away. I, I do this, Michael. I, I count days to things. Just, just bear with me. But it's only about 50 days away. So between now and then, you will be piling pressure on uh, Minister McGrath and, I assume, Minister Dunyhu with regard to tax and excise. Yeah, we've, we've already had meetings with them. Uh, we will have more meetings um, and we'll be highlighting uh, the issues that we have and look, hopefully, uh, Minister McGrath and Minister Dunyhu will be able to um, help us um, because, look, the Irish pub is revered around the world and here in Ireland it's the, the one place that we're, we're probably losing them. Time will tell, Michael. Thank you very much. Thanks, PJ. Cheers. Michael, thank uh, Yeah, Michael O'Donovan from the Vintners Federation. And uh, I talked to more Republicans after 10. There's the thing. They're looking for a cut 
in the excise duty on a point. The excise duty on spirits is... Our excise duty on spirits is the highest in the EU, or the second highest in the EU. Our excise duty, the point at 55 cents on a pint, that's 5 cents in Germany. So that's that's kind of what you're dealing with. But then again, these are taxes on a luxury item. How would you feel about that? The publican's looking for excise to be cut in the budget. At the same time, when you're, have you noticed the way your petrol and diesel is creeping up again? And it's going to keep creeping up because the excise duty is trickling back onto it. They were saying yesterday on some programme or other that the the price of a litre of petrol will be back up into the 170s, high 170s within a few weeks. <sighs> Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. The results are officially out. They went live six minutes ago, seven minutes ago at 10 o'clock and hopefully... We'll check in with some happy students and teachers before 11 o'clock. See how things are going for people. The results are out and congratulations in advance to everyone. I just throw something in here for, for what it's worth. It, it'll go nowhere. It'll be ignored like it always is. But I'm going to... I've been saying this for years. Tomorrow morning you open up your newspapers and tonight you look at your television news and radio news as well during the day and you'll hear all about people that got 600 and 550 and 620 and however many points they got and they're happy and why wouldn't they be for God's sake why wouldn't they be delighted and thrilled and everyone proud of them so they should be I'd like to see more focus on the guy or the girl who barely scraped 400 or 380 or 350 even and that's enough for them to do what they want to do. I remember going back to my old alma mater, Christie, years ago, on leaving cert day for the newsroom. And as usual, the principal at the time had trotted me out a few boys who'd done extraordinarily well. And I was delighted for them. And we talked to them. We're all enthusiastic and happy. But as I was going out of the school, my, my old pal, uh, Frank, who was the, um, the guidance counselling teacher at the time, Frank called me. He said, come here, come here, come here. He said, did you see him? See, will he talk to you? This chap was going across the schoolyard. I went over and I asked him. He said, no, thanks. I got to go home and talk to my mum. I said, that's okay. That's no problem. Frank told me afterwards, he was the happiest lad in the school. The happiest lad in the school. He just about managed to scrape 390 points. That was enough for him because he was on a promise. He had an apprenticeship and all the guy offering the apprenticeship wanted was for him to get 390 points. And he got him. And he was the happiest lad in the school. He was crossing the schoolyard on a cushion of air. I'd rather see more focus on those people tomorrow in the papers. I don't think we will, unfortunately. It's just the way of the world. But that's me. I've been saying it for years. Back to drink and the price of drink. Just looking at some of the statistics. In Ireland, there's about 55 cents 
in excise duty on, on a pint, on your pint of Heineken or Coors or Guinness or whatever you have in yourself, about 55 cents on that. The same pint in Germany has five cents of excise duty. In If you have a glass of wine, red or white or rosé or whatever you're having again, um, that excise duty on that glass of wine is 80 cents. In France, <laughs> it's one cent. In a scan of the 20-something EU member states, now it's a drinks industry survey, which means it's obviously biased towards the drinks industry, but Ireland's taxes on alcohol are the second highest in all of the EU. Like a half glass of spirits, so a small measure of vodka or whiskey or whatever, 69 cents fit most countries less than 20 cents. In Ireland, it's over 60 cents. You see? Now, this is why the publicans and the drinks industry are saying we need to look at the level of excise on the price of drink. Brian Foley, or Brian Kenny, rather, joins me from the Boot House. Um, Brian, those numbers of all the pubs that closed in Ireland last year, Cork had half of them. Start with that. That's pretty stark. He's gone there, lads. I'm going to try and drag him back up with me. Um, that, those numbers from last year, Michael Donovan said this to me before the news, there was 108 pubs shut their doors across the country uh, in 2022. 54 of them, 54 of them, half of them were in Ireland. And so the publicans, with 50-something days to the budget, are asking the government now to cut the excise, cut the tax on drink uh, to see can it help to rescue some of those pubs. Now, there's Brian now from the Boot House. How are you, fella? Morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good to talk to you again. Now, I said this to Michael, and I'll say it to you too. Even though those taxes, as I've read them out, those excise duties are very high, it is still tax on a luxury item. So answer that one for me. Um, It is, but I suppose at the same time, the price point has to be attractive enough for people to want to go out and and, and spend their hard-earned money. Um, And it's becoming less so. Um, I mean, even last week, Diageo put up their prices, which isn't very helpful to anyone, to yes. be honest about it. You know, and, you know, everything is going up. Um, energy costs are, are still through the roof. Um, as you said yourself, fuel, fuel prices are increasing. Um, there's, nothing, there's nothing coming down, really. As I think, as we said before, the only thing that ever comes down in this country at this stage, I think, is the rain. Indeed. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, it, like, I mean, the, the, the statistics, if you look at them, they're, they're frightening that in Cork alone since uh, 2005, 365 pubs have closed. So if you average that out, that's roughly two pubs every month for the last 18 years have closed and won't come back. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really worrying, you know. And whenever I talk to, to colleagues in the industry, it's, it's the hot topic. It's, it's all anyone can seem to talk about because everyone is really, really worried about the situation. Yeah. Like energy, tax... I mean, you're up there. You're in a, a, a semi. You'd be, would you class yourself as semi-rural? Right. Uh, we, to be honest, we, we class ourselves as rural, really, PJ. We kind of have the best of both worlds. We're, we're only five miles from the city centre, but we're very much a rural setting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we, we would very much consider ourselves a rural pub. Um, but I suppose that, 
in itself brings its own issues then as well because transport is is a problem um you know there's a shortage of taxis yeah. and yeah. E- even though as i said we're only we're only five miles from the city centre but we don't have and we never have had a bus service where's your nearest bus stop uh, the nearest bus stop would be there is a bus passes twice a day um, oh at White's Cross, which is White's Cross is two miles down the road. But oh um, in in our area of Upper Glenware, we don't have a regular bus service. Now, discussions are ongoing, but um, we're still in the dark as to what's happening. Yeah, you you know, and it would make it would make a huge, obviously not just to the pub, but to to, to the whole area. Of course, it would make a huge difference. Of course, you know. Now, are you still doing? You used to do the most wonderful food. Are you still doing it? We're not, unfortunately. Oh. We we um, we stopped doing food just before COVID, okay. and we, we haven't come back to it since we came back. Now, having said that, it's 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 working out fairly well for us. We're we're doing quite well since we we're, we're probably booking the trend. To be fair, that we're doing quite well since we came back from COVID, mm. um, and I suppose business has been more consistent because you know food can be quite erratic, um, whereas our drink trade has been. It's been very consistent, thankfully, since we came back. Have you noticed that the behaviour change that I was talking about with, with Michael, like on a on a Friday night, the place is starting to empty at eleven o'clock rather than be trying to powerhouse them out the door at one. Oh, very very much so. I mean, we we actually um, we we close earlier most nights. No, no, maybe uh, half an hour or an hour earlier than we used to, uh, more or less every night of the week. Now at this stage, um, right. because. People's trends have changed um, since COVID, and I suppose a lot of a lot of our regulars haven't uh, got into the habit of, of staying out late as they used to before. Um, and are they, are they I, coming I, out earlier? Like, say tomorrow now, Saturday. Michael said Saturday. There's a trend. People will come out, maybe watch a match on the telly, stay there till six or seven o'clock, and go home. Have you seen that? Very much so, very much so, yeah. And I, th- I think that um, a big part of that is people are worried about the drink driving the following morning. Yes, yes. And we, we, would, we would especially see that on, on Sundays where, um, especially, as you said, if there's a match on earlier, uh, people come out early, uh, but they, they're, most of the younger people have gone home then uh, maybe eight, half eight, that kind of way because yeah. they're very conscious of the following morning. No, we're lucky on Sundays that we have... Um, they won't thank me for saying it, but we have our older guys then on a Sunday night. Mm. Um, ah, so the last hurrah was a thing, and I know you you are north side, even if you're rural. Yeah. Like, the last hurrah on the mm. is a, is a north side thing. I think I don't think it happens on the south side, but on on Sunday night, people come out for the last hurrah right across the north side. I I, I, I did enough entertainment up there to know it. Is it still happening in your place? Oh, it's still very very Brilliant. much yeah. That w- as, as I said, um, a lot of the lads, no, not all, uh, but a lot of the lads would be retired and it's their way of keeping in touch with each other. So they come in on a Sunday night and they catch up on the gossip and news and so on and so forth. And, you know, it, it's, it's great and we're lucky to have it. Um, but I'd say that there are a lot of other places that, um, particularly on a Sunday night, that after maybe nine o'clock, they might as well close their doors, yeah, just you know. Just doing the countdown there, so it's 47 days to the budget, uh, roughly. Um, mm-hmm. So... You know, as as a long-standing publican running a traditional place there for many many years, you'd be asking the government cut the excise. Very much, yeah. We we we're looking for any help we can get at this stage because you know pubs are pubs are disappearing and they're not coming back. You know, the ones that are going, you know, it's it's frightening. I mean, I look at um, I look at a neighbouring village there, uh, Carrignavar. Before COVID, Carrignavar had three pubs. They only have one now. You know, um, as you move in towards town, 
there are only three pubs on Shannon Street now. I think there's only four on Blarney Street. Um, and on the low road, at one stage, I think there were 16 pubs on the low road. There's maybe two left there now. Wow. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Blackpool has been devastated. You know? Yeah. And, like, I used to play out there on a Sunday nights in Blackpool. In, I kind of, over over a month, I'd play three or four different pubs out there. They're all gone now. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. And, and people probably don't notice, but these pubs are disappearing one by one. Mm. And all of a sudden, then there's a big gap, like, you know, that, that, there's just a void of pubs and areas, yeah. and it's 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 not a good development, you know. Yeah. And like people people have said to me before, you know, the fewer pubs, the better it is for the ones that are open. But unfortunately, that's not the situation. What it means is that fewer and fewer people are going to the pub. Unfortunately, and what people need to realise is that they need to support their local pub, or their local pub won't be there. Won't be there anymore. Brian, thank you very much. 0818-96-96-96. Brian Kenny from the Boot House Bar. A fine, fine bar in Upper Glenmire. There for many years. I remember used to pop down there for lunch years ago when we were based in the very early days of 96FM. We were based up in, in White's Cross so we used to pop down for, for a spot of lunch in the Boot House. The group was great. 0818-96-96-96. There's a vehicle on fire on the M8, the motorway, northbound. This is near Glenmire on the M8 motorway. Take care on approach. Don't know what's wrong there. Just been told that there's a vehicle on fire. That was issued by Cork Safety Alerts in the last 15 to 20 minutes. Traffic is stopped before the junction 18. Before junction 18. And there are firefighters on scene now. Thanks for that. But just look at that. I'd, I'd like your own particular thoughts on it with regard to excise duty um, the point the point, your standard point be it Guinness or Heineken or Coors or whatever you have in yourself around 55 cents of that is excise duty okay your glass of wine your, your excise duty on that is 80 cents on that glass of wine in France it's a cent the excise duty on your pint in Germany, is five cents. In Spain, it's three. So we are being fleeced in excise duty um, on on the price of drink, and the publicans want it cut down. Wow, wow! There's a picture now. Thanks for that picture of a vehicle on fire, well and truly alight, well ablaze. It looks like a, it looks like a truck or something, or some kind of a small van. Can't quite make it out from the picture, but hopefully, hopefully, there was no one hurt in that. 0818 96 96 96 Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line With Hidden Hearing Changing lives with the latest hearing health technology They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie Cox 96 FM Life is full of awesome what ifs And some not so much Like unexpected medical costs That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com.
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, the results are out. Uh, they started to drop 23 minutes ago. Uh, Phil O'Flynn is principal at the Terence McSweeney College in, in Holly Hill. Phil... Oh, Lord, she's gone. Phones are playing up, lads. So bear with us if you're on hold for me, and it's a busy morning. If you're on hold and you drop, we will come back to you. But the the, the results came out this morning at 10 o'clock. We were reading an awful lot of nonsense in the papers about um, inflated grades and averaged grades and Norma Foley stepping in here and doing this and doing that and doing the other. At the end of the day, if you're waiting on results, you don't really care what she did. You want your results, you want your piece of paper, you want to see how you did. All right, we can go back up to to Holly Hill. Phil, uh, good morning for you, Terence McSweeney. Morning to oh, you. Good morning, PJ. We're actually on a high here this morning. Fantastic. It is fantastic. Just so many of our students chose to come in, so I was really happy about that. I mean, they have the option of accessing their results online. But we're such a community school that it's just everybody gravitates towards the school. So parents are here this morning, students are here. There's just uh, literally unadulterated joy is all I can say. It's just fantastic. How are the results across the board in general? Oh, fabulous. Now, I really honestly would say, you know, that I'm always that person who says, you know, whatever a person wants to do. One of my favourite quotes is actually from one of our own fifth-year boys who's doing a Ziggins Earth next year. I asked him, what do you want to do when you leave school? And he said, I want to work at something I like for someone I like. And I thought the wisdom of that from a 17-year-old. brilliant. It was just so amazing the way he said it. Oh, I want to work at something I like for someone I like. And I said, that's a recipe for happiness because you spend a lot of time at work. So love what you do is the key to everything. And I mean, today, you know, I was asking, I was just talking before I came on air with you to five of our leading cert boys. And four of them actually are, are, they're in their working clothes. They've taken up apprenticeships with a local uh, firm here, um, O'Sullivan Brothers. So basically they're engaged in carpentry um, apprenticeships right now. And they are there, they're so, they're like, they're like men really in and their working clothes. you know what, clothes. Phil? We need carpenters and we need plumbers and we need electricians. That's brilliant news. Oh, and they're delighted and they just, you know, the reality is they, they, they all took construction studies here at school. We have a woodwork academy which is, you know, really does help the students, you know, develop their woodworking skills that actually is being sponsored by Corky TV. It's a really successful project in the school and as a result we have more and more of our students voting to do something they like for someone they like, which I think is wonderful. And equally then, you know, the students that I gave the results to before the boys was uh, is a student who's going on to pursue a degree in musical theatre. I'm mm. um, very proud of her. She's got a lead role at the moment in a film that's being made in Octahini by mm. BBC. Wow. And it, it's a collaboration between a local Cork writer and BBC and it's due to be screened next uh, January and February. Oh, keep uh, in touch with me on that, Phil. I'm all over that. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, the BBC um, were here last week um, viewing some of the footage that's already been made of this film and they just, the camera loves her and they just said, like, watch this name. And so, Are like, you allowed um, to share that name with me? Um, well, yeah, her name is Carol Cullen. She'd probably kill me for saying it, but she, she's got the lead uh, female part in this film called Christy. Now, there are other students... Oh, uh, I know about this. I know about this film, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it it was originally a short, but I mean, Cara is is going to go on to pursue her degree in musical theatre, hopefully now uh, with MCU. But she's a number one of a number of students who've shown exceptional musical talent here. There's a group of them actually, mm. and I think they, I'm also joking with them. I said, when you're rich and famous, I hope you still say hello, <laughs> and they're, they're laughing at that. <laughs> But, um, you know, MC Tiny also has a role in that film, you know, our yeah. famous rapper. Uh-huh. And a few, another of our past people, Kieran McCarthy, Sophie McCarthy, who just did her leaving shirt this morning as yeah. well, is also going on to pursue a career in music. So, you know, I'm just awed by these students. They're who great. Seem to They're have great. a great sense of purpose. Um, they, they have incredible talent. Um, and one of the students I gave the uh, results to there a while ago I was just so pleased to hand the results to her because, you know, with COVID, um, there's just been so much pressures on students and, and this particular student would have, might have suffered with the anxieties of COVID mm-hmm. and has completed her leaving cert here today. So, you know, I think the reality is it's wonderful when students get maximum points, but I think it's equally wonderful when students succeed in achieving what they need to progress what they would love to do in life. And that's exactly what what I was saying earlier on. It's about it's not about big numbers of points it's not about billboard points levels. It's about people being happy and it sounds like you've got a school full of happy people today Phil and I'm thrilled for everybody at Terence McSweeney College in in Holly Hill. That's Phil O'Flynn the principal. Well done to everyone and congratulations to everybody connected to that very, very fine school. Now quickly we're going to go to the M8 uh, Valerie, what's that? that's a, a camper van, is it, that's on fire? Hi Peter, yeah um, I'm heading backwards towards the tunnel and just pulled in there where a flash cash to be. <laughs> They'll probably come up behind me now and move me on. <laughs> but um, I heard, i seen the smoke, I, I live in um, Barrymore there you know, yeah. and it, my god the black smoke, I just rang my daughter straight away because she's living up there as well so it was very bad. So um, I, I was talking to a girl and she um, said it was a camper van okay. and that the family were at the side of the road. And she said they were quite near it and everything. Like, you know, it was kind of dangerous. But that was about a half an hour ago. No, PJ. God oh. love them. You know, they could be on holidays or anything. Oh, like. no, that's awful. But um, she's out now anyway. Good, the, good. the fire brigade is... And everybody the, the seems to be kind safe. kind of closed for a while. Well, so far, because I passed down the other way, like, hopefully that family are all right and they'll be taken care of, right? Hopefully, hopefully they will. Valerie, thanks for that update. So it was a camper van on fire at the side of the M8 family watching it burn. Like Valerie said, imagine they're here on holidays, maybe, and all their possessions are inside and that. Oh, God. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. There's some very old camper vans on the road. Uh, um, do you know? People buy them on Dundeal. And they're old. But look, that's a discussion for another day. Right, uh, back to the schools, back to the results. And only up the road, we're going to David Lorden, principal at uh, Christians. Up from us, Chris, principal at CB, CBC. A good morning for you, David. How are you? 
Good morning, PJ. A uh, great morning. Yes, absolutely. You know, we're um, we're, we're thrilled up here. We've had a, a, a very exciting morning as the, the news filtered through of how the lads fared with, with Leaving Cert 23. Norma Foley was doing something with the grades or ordered the State Examination Commission to do something with the grades during the summer. I, I can't fully get my head around it, but are you satisfied with the grades as they've come in? Uh, we we are absolutely. I mean, they're they're excellent uh, uh, grades right across the board. Um, I have to say, but I, you know, I think it's probably important too not to lose sight of the fact that, look, you know, the students that got the results this morning right across the country deserve proper acknowledgement for their for their achievements. Uh, you know, I think it's probably all too easy to cast a shadow over results with talk about the COVID effect and you know the the. Um, the, the adjustment to, to grades but I think it shouldn't really be the real focus today mm-hmm. after after six years of supporting students and building them up you know God knows I suppose they've had a, a challenging journey getting through COVID not having done a state exam before so they were obviously at a significant disadvantage coming into the, the, the Leaving Cert and I think it was really good you know that the SEC uh, moved to uh, using a more recognisable type of exam this year with fewer choices available. So that's kind of moving back towards uh, more back towards the way things were pre-COVID. Um, but I think the, the fact that the SEC came out this morning to say that, look, any modification of marks hasn't impacted on the order of merit in terms of candidate results is probably very welcome as well. Now, you've had one in five of your students has gotten over 600 points. That's right. Yeah, twenty percent of the students have got over six hundred points. Uh, Ten students on six hundred twenty-five. The maximum six two five, including one of our students, Andrew Sullivan, on eight H ones, and another four on seven H ones. Um, and uh, you know, again, a fantastic achievement, a fantastic acknowledgement. Uh, you know, the, uh, the you know to to get all, all that hard work and and effort and um, uh, paying off for them. It's always a. We always say it's, it's when when you're in in teaching, um, it's almost like you're waiting for your own leaving cert results every year of your career, and um, <laughs> so you're 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 always anxious and you're always hoping that, they, that they'll do well. You and know? I imagine, and, David, um, there are also people who are just delighted to have gotten three eighty four twenty. Well, well, well. That's it. We have 144 students to, uh, at the leaving cert with us uh, this year, and um, you know, there's uh, 144 different sets of goals and dreams and I think that's the key to success really PJ you know that there's no one size fits all you can't take a one size fits all approach to education you know um, that it's it's about um, each guy here and every student has individual talents and aptitudes and potential and it's about harnessing where their strengths lie and maximizing that and putting them in a position to allow them to follow their passion as opposed to you know being led by the nose into whatever happens to be the the uh, the flavor of the month from a from a course point of view from there year were, to year there are so many more ways now to proceed after the leave insert than there were certainly when i did mine and I'm sure when you did yours too, it's not just straight into college. It's not just straight into anything. There, there are many, many, many options. And I'm sure you'd be encouraging people to sit down and consider them all. Absolutely. I think you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head, PJ, because it, it, compared to how it was in the past, um, there are so many more ways of getting to where you want to be ultimately. And, and I, um, I think that's very welcome uh, and, re- and really important. Um, and the other thing I think is that in times past perhaps your primary degree would have carried you a lot further than than it does um, uh, uh, now the primary degree if you like is laying the foundations right. for 
your further study and you know uh, very few people maybe come out uh, from a primary degree and go straight into the workplace um, so uh, it, the, the place that your undergrad has in your education journey has changed as well so it, it is it's a, it's a very different landscape mm. to how things were a number of years ago but uh, they're all moves in the right direction absolutely Indeed. Indeed. About that. and great to see so many people happy today with no matter what is written on that piece of paper in front of them David Lord and thank you principal of uh, Christians up the road from us here in Wellington Road 0818969696 Irene says very happy girl in this house so proud of Hannah says Hannah Broderick she did amazing she's so happy she even got an honour in her honours maths and that honours maths do you remember paper one was supposed to be a beast of a paper and uh, but there's still quite a number of honours maths People have got honours maths, which is great. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Are we ready to go with Sandra? Is she ready on one? She is. Sandra, you heard me telling the story. Now this goes back quite a few years of the lad in Cree Street, my old school, who was the happiest fella in the school because he just got three hundred and something points to enable him to take up an apprenticeship. And I feel we need to hear more about those people. But you had another point to make on apprenticeships. Good morning. Good morning, DJ. Yeah, um, like. Going back, God, when we were, you know, going to school and we'd come out of school and we'd get a trade and we didn't need education for the trade that we wanted to do, which today, even if you want a cleaning job, you need to have your leaving cert, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And we have so many young lads and lassies that are so talented in, it doesn't matter what profession, be it hairdressing to mechanics to veterinary, you know, it's, it, there's a big, broad, you know, hmm. out there, like what people are... There's a niche for everybody. Yeah. Everybody will find it, their spot. Yeah, Exactly. And as that, um, you said there that there was a, a lad that his motto was to be happy and have a happy boss. And I'll treat yeah, that, that's a lovely quote from, from, um, from Terence McSweeney. I want to work. I want to do a job that makes me happy working for someone that I like. Yeah. And I always had the similar... Things for my kids, I always said to them, get a job that you love. It doesn't matter what you do. If you're sweeping the streets, it doesn't matter what you do. Get a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. I've always said that. No matter who, you know, you don't look down on anybody's work. As long as you're willing to work and you do something you love, you'll never work. You'll enjoy your life. You're you know, you're going to a job. You're, you're going to a job Sorry. and hate it. You know what I mean. Yeah. And why go to something that you hate for the rest of your life? And you'll you'll never be happy. That's you true. know. That's true. You, you know. You're making the point that for people to go into apprenticeships, there there really should be no consideration of points. I don't think so. I think if somebody is talented enough, and I'm not even talented, that has that drive that they either want to be, you know, a mechanic or a hairdresser, that they don't need paper. They should be able to go in. We'd say even if they got as far as TYR, you know, um, that they can do work experience and they realise, God, yeah, I'd love to do whatever job it is. And they can get that apprenticeship that they can, you know, do their four or five years trade in it and come out. And these, these lads, they can be actually the best in the business without paper. True. And it's it's a sad thing that now I'm sure you've seen it there in radio broadcast that these lads coming in and they can be the best at the best, but they need paper to go further. And 
you're kind of looking at them, you're saying, geez, yeah, you know, he would have been a great lad now, but he has to have, you know, his exams. Mm. And which is crazy. And as you said, like, people are crying out for apprenticeships today, but they can't get them because there's lads out there. They can't do they, They're not intellectual. You know, they can't yeah. sit down and work with books. Can, I, can I play devil's advocate for a minute, Sandra? And you're correct. I had a, a friend who was a fantastic fitter, for example, and he went into the Navy and was really good there and got an apprenticeship and all that and you know carpenters electricians plumbers we need them god we need flasters we need them all jobs have changed too and there's a little bit more measurement and a little bit more calculation and a little bit more accuracy needed in the job and a bit more knowledge of regulation so maybe just maybe you need an exam you need a a basic leaving cert to start like like I like there, my son wants to go into mechanical engineering. Okay. And for the last few years, I said knuckle down with your maths because you need your maths for measurements, as you said. So I said this is would be the mathematics side of it that would be more important for him than we'd say doing English or history or French. So yeah. knuckle down on the subjects that you need for the profession that you need. Yeah. You know, and once you have that you have what you need for your apprenticeship, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, you learn that along the way. And there's kids that do, you know, that they're more hands-on rather than looking at a textbook. That, you know, you could get in there, you see a job being done once and you'll do it for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, whereas there's kids that they look at a book and they, they just cannot get it, you know? They, oh, they yeah. don't understand what they're reading. But if you show them once, they, can, they have it, yeah. you know? And they'll never lose it. And I always say... Once you get, once you learn a trade, nobody can take that trade from you. You have a trade for the rest of your life. It's funny. There was a young lad. I got some work. There was a work. Some work done in my house a couple of years ago, Sandra. And there was a young lad in. He used to come into us on the Thursdays and Fridays, just an apprentice, just a young fella, and he was effectively just cleaning up and mopping up after the week's work, you know, to leave us for the weekend. And I one Friday afternoon, I made him a coffee and sat him down. Grand lad now, nothing about nineteen. And I said, God, they're working you hard. He said, they are. He said, they are. He said, I'm going home tonight now. He said, I'm not even going for a pint. I'm wrecked. I'm going straight into bed. But you know something? He said, what I'm learning, he named the lads, what I'm learning from them fellas, I can take to the four corners of the world. I thought, you're right. You got your head screwed on. Exactly. And I said that to my kids. It doesn't matter if you get paid for a job at maybe 15, 16, because you're learning and all this learning experience will be with you for the rest of your life. Like at the moment, my son, he's working for um, a car dismantlers. He's 16 and he's working with him now for a few months. And the guy he's working for is so impressed that yeah. there's this, he begged him. He, he went in, I went in to, to buy a part. The, he begged the owner, please, please give me a chance. Just give me a chance and see what you think. He went in. He's working like a horse. Your man is boasting to everybody when he's becoming this lad's only 16 and he's mad for work. Now, That's if he goes to work at nine in the morning, if he needs him to stay until nine o'clock or whatever, he's willing to stay. He's doing the work that's put in there. He has actually even put him in charge of his yard. What's he doing? Well, stripping parts out of cars? Exactly. Brilliant. And, you know, dealing with customers. Now, at 16 years of age, he's, he's actually has ran the shop for this person. That's fantastic. At 16. Now, he, he hates school, absolutely hates school. He wants to be out there working. He yeah. wants to work, and he's a good worker. Mm. And, you know, these, these lads, 
these are the lads that should be given a chance with the apprenticeship. No, I'm not just saying it for my son. No. For everybody across the board, you know, boys, girls, everybody, even adults that maybe have went into a profession they hate and they want to come out of that and do something that they really would love to do. Yeah, you know, I think across the board, everybody should be given a mm. chance. You know, grand, you know, we can learn how to do maths and we learn how to figure out as we're going along in an apprenticeship as well because that will be part of it. You know, and maybe you'll enjoy your maths more because you're doing something you love whereas, you know, when you're in school you hate doing maths. Oh my God, I hate maths. No, I can't do it. But when you're doing it as a measurement for something you have to make, you will enjoy it and you will learn it faster. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, it's like, I know everybody needs education but there's some kids that they just cannot grasp it. And they are better with their hands or whatever they do. Like I know somebody else, they went veterinary nursing, but they went out with the vet and the vet said, fantastic veterinary nurse. But this person needed on paper. Yes. And because they couldn't do it on the day, an accident basically and um, memory and things kind of, it wasn't really a memory, it was kind of headaches. Yeah, and they couldn't finish up, you know, in college. But this particular person would have been would have been more a vet than a veterinary nurse at the time because they had so much experience but they still had to have the paperwork to do it. But, you know, these kids are getting lost out there and they end up doing jobs that they'll hate just so they can live, you know. Sandra, this is a brilliant call. I'm I'm, I'm so impressed with you. And I, I, look, if you're trying to get any work done in your house at the moment, you'll know carpenters, plumbers, Everybody, you can't get them. Tilers, but you can't even plasters. get a mechanic now. No, you can't. You Mechanics, can't. There's Wait. a waiting list for, for to get any of these lads, you know, these guys. And that's what I'm saying. All the, the, the guys out there with businesses, they should rethink and say, right, give this lad a chance. He's a worker. If he's no good for you, just say, look, I recommend you go back to school, get your education. You might want something else. But look, for the lad that is willing to do the work, put in the time and wants to learn and say, right, I've got this lad, I'll hang on to him and he can prove himself. Sandra, fantastic call. Wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. 0818 96 96 96 to everyone getting their results today. That word of wisdom from the young fella in uh, Terence McSweeney. I want to do a job I love for someone I like. It works out for you like that, you'll never work a day in your life. Up next, this week's episode of Hours to Protect. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Hours to Protect. Brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hours to protect.ie for more info. This week on Earth to Protect, we learn about Relove Paint, a Cork community recycling initiative that brings leftover water-based paint back to life. Householders in Cork have traditionally brought their leftover paint to local civic community sites for disposal. Now, in a move towards a circular economy, leftover water-based paint is being revived instead of being dumped or incinerated. It's being diverted to one of two social enterprises in Cork City and County, the Northside Community Enterprise in Farron Ferris and CycleSense based in Skibbereen. Wayne O'Donnell is the project manager at Farron Ferris. Essentially what we do is we collect 
paint that's going to landfill in three meaning sites. So we're involved in Rossmore, which is just outside Caratool, Raffine Creek, down by Ring of Skiddy, and also Tremor Valley Park, which is Kinsale Road roundabout. So what we do is we go and we collect paint that the public drop um, and that they're disposing of paint from home. What happens to the paint then when you collect it? A typical day for us would be we would go to the amenity site and we would go through the bins and we would find the paint that's not gone off. Um, if you if you smell gone off paint, you, you get a really bad odour straight away. So you know the ones that are not gone off. And to be honest, a lot of the time when we go there, there's actually paint that's just never even been opened that people just find at home and they're just trying to clear out the shed or clear out the attic or room and they dispose it. So, you know, all that paint... Usually, and before, I suppose, the whole Real of Paint concept started, would have went to landfill. Um, so we came up with this kind of idea where we would collect the paint, bring it back to our workshop here up in Farn Ferris, refilter it, um, clean it, and recolor it, package it, resell it. And, you know, it's, it's gone really well in the last two years since we've kind of taken it over. When starting out, Real of Paint were collecting maybe two to 300 litres a month. However, in June this year, they collected 1,450 litres and are averaging around 1,000 litres a month at the moment between the amenity sites. Since October 2021, Real of Paint has saved over five tonnes of paint from incineration and made it available for reuse. Recycling one gallon of paint can save nearly 100 kilowatt hours of energy and keeps 115 pounds of carbon dioxide out of our atmosphere. That's enough energy to make 160 large cups of coffee. But buying recycled paint doesn't mean old paint. Real of Paint remix their batches, creating unique colours. We've got hundreds of colours available. Like blue is a big, real popular colour at the moment. You know, we can create as much colours as we can. It depends, though. The colours always depends on what we get from the mini sites. You know, if people don't give back their paint to the mini sites and they just throw it into their own rubbish and dispose of it, then we're limited in terms of what colours. Whereas we've been thankful and grateful that in the last few months we've got a lot of different variations of colours and even if you walk through this building up here in Farn Ferris, every room is painted nearly a different colour and that's all Real Love Paint. So. Anyone who's redecorated knows just how expensive paint can be. At Real Love Paint it's €15 Euro for 5.6 litre pots which is only 268 per litre. That's what makes us stand out from everyone else. Uh, for 5.6 litres of paint, it's 15 euro. So we had a customer there recently enough that came to us and they got a, quite a large quantity off us and it came to maybe two, 250 or 300 euros and they were trying to haggle a bit with us and we were saying, look, we're... we're it's, we're not for profit, so we're just trying to create employment, so we're not trying to make millions, you know. Um, and last, last week they came back and they were like, okay, I, I, I got quoted like 1500 for the same paint elsewhere. So, you know, the, the quality, the price, the product, the whole sustainability ap- aspect is really what sells us out. Like, it's a complete circular economy project, you know, from when... The, the, when the homeowner takes it to landfill to when it goes up on a wall wherever that may be you know it's creating employment it's creating that good feel factor that it's sustainable um, and it's becoming quite popular like we were very proud we won a Pacman award last year and you know that's again in collaboration with Cork City and Cork County Council and you know we've been kept going with grants from the councils for the last like four to five months but I suppose now we're trying to expand and trying to get companies and businesses to kind of you know look us up and and reach out to us and see if we can support them as well you know. To learn more about recycling paint visit Relove Paint online or check the show notes of this episode. 
Powers to Protect. Brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out Hours to Protect.ie for more info. And Hours to Protect back at the same time next Friday. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. So I would never have known if, if he came up in a table quiz question. How many books has Jerry Adams written? Would you know? If I was to hazard a guess, I would have said maybe six, seven. Uh, I know he's a prolific writer. I know he's written quite a number of books. But I would have said maybe ten at a push. Jerry Adams joins me now. Jerry, I'm stunned. It's it's over twenty, is it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I'm very well, sir. How many books is it in total? Well, I I always get confused. <laughs> I think it's nine, it's nineteen or twenty. Right, right. Uh, and you're for, you, you've like I, I want to talk to you today about writing because you're in Cork at the weekend to mark the anniversary of the hunger strikers commemoration, but also to sign a book that you wrote a year or two ago called Black Mountain and Other Stories, which is a book of of short stories. Before we do that, though, how are you doing these days? I'm doing very well, thank God, yeah. All's, mm. all's, all's good. Right. I'm very busy, and uh, and I do like writing, and it keeps me occupied, and I still enjoy good health, so yeah. all to the good, PJ. Are, are you busier or not now? Busier since you left the political stage? Well, I'm, I'm doing the same hours. The difference is I don't have the responsibility. Mm. That's with Mary Lou and with uh, Michelle O'Neill and with the rest of the the national uh, leadership. So, so there is a there's a marked difference, yeah, and uh, yeah. the sort of you know stress and all of that crack. And also, I I don't do many interviews. I stay. I don't like to get in the way, so I stay away <laughs> from interviews as, as as much as I can. And that that again is. Uh, as a bonus, you know, but uh, and in terms of uh, keeping occupied, uh, yes, I would be and I, w- I would be just as busy. But yeah. as I say, without without the stress or the responsibility or the obligation to know everything about everything. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to speak to you again. It's been, it's been it's been a while. I want to talk a little bit about writing. You, you say that your it was your your granny introduced you to books, Enid Blyton and Biggles and, and all those things. When did you get the first notion, though, Jerry, that you might like to write yourself? Well, my, my granny, interesting enough, was what I used to call a half-timer. Uh, as a schoolgirl, she worked half-time in the mills, and the conditions were dreadful here in Belfast, I'm sure, everywhere across the country. So one day at school, and one day at, uh, at, at this back-breaking sweat house work. But she had a great love 
of reading and she used to go along every week to the Falls Library mm-hmm. and she brought me with her. And the interesting thing is, and I don't know if this would be the same for people in Cork, but a, a lot of the early reading I, I did, like, you know, uh, Enid Blyton and, and others, there was no Irish context for it. You know, I, we were reading English books, we were reading English comics, we were immersed in, in that type of stuff. And it was only uh, much, much later when I, I got into reading Frank O'Connor and uh, in, uh, all, all the rest of the both Irish and international authors and I, I was an avid reader. I was the only member of my family that I that 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 wore glasses and that's because I was reading into the wee small hours of the uh evening. I I probably did okay at English at school, compositions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I never really thought about writing seriously until Donnie Morrison asked me to do a column uh, Donnie was editor of Republican News, and I was in Long Cash. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, uh, he wanted a sort of a, a look at what was happening outside, from inside the wire, from from behind the wire. Mm. So I, I started to do that myself, and a couple of other prisoners started to do that. And then uh, I, I, eventually, when I get out of prison, I, I wrote another small piece. Uh, about the falls, my my, my home district, yeah. and the development and the, the ravages of the conflict and all of that crack, and a very very uh, good corkman, John uh, Feehan, mm-hmm. uh, who who headed up Mercy or Press, got in contact with me and asked, would would I be interested in doing a book out of this reminiscences of of, of the old neighbourhood. And at the same time, but an hour or two beforehand, uh, a man called Steve McDonough also got in touch with me. And just on the basis that Steve, uh, that, that opened Steve's letter first, uh, I, I went along with him. And, and that was my first. It was a small book called Falls Memories. And, yeah. that, and that was my first adventure yeah. in, in the printed word. I, I read a lot, Jerry, And I always love to pick up a book by someone whose voice I know and have heard and reading the stories in Black Mountain and other stories it is like listening to you speak um, and, and, and that's I, I, I compliment you on that um, and also I remember talking many times to your, your late friend and colleague uh, Martin McGuinness about his love of Derry your love of Belfast jumps off these pages yeah, well, it's it's you know we we Irish and it may not be uniquely Irish, maybe it's a universal thing, but we have a very distinct sense of place, and the local can very much be the universal. You know, uh, if, if you can identify, I mean, I presume you're from the same, maybe younger than me, but from the same broad background as I'm from, and. Uh, you know, if you can identify with the community, with the characters, with the women, with the uh, old boys, with the, the the sadness, with the, the the pressures that people face, well, then that's you know any any writer. And you know, I'm 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 pleased. I'm modest, a modest writer, but I'm uh, I'm 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 pleased to identify myself as a writer. There's nothing more gratifying than to meet someone who tells you that they were moved by what you wrote. 
that's that's all. But I would imagine that's the same for everybody who writes. Yes, and you 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 can sense the love of a place in 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 your writing and the stories in the book. They're fiction based on fact. They're fiction based on real life. You take many of the inspiration from the H block stories here. Yeah, uh, there there are one or two, maybe three stories which reflect prison experience, but. Maybe the type of prison experience that one wouldn't be so familiar with, like yeah. the relationship between a Republican prisoner and a young, what what used to be called an, an ODC, an ordinary decent criminal, a young lo- loyalist guy who was in for some mis- mis- misdemeanor, and they, these two guys became became friends. Uh, so there's there's stories of of that. Kind and uh, also uh, an, another one about uh, the relationship between prison officers and and the, the, the Republican prisoners. But there's also, as you as, as you will have uh, read, there's the stories there that, and some of them are, are a wee bit dark. You know, mm. there's the stories are about uh, domestic abuse, about child abuse. Uh, the stories are. Uh, about just the the difficulties that people face, but but I like to think that there's also redemption in them, you know, like that they're not they're not entirely made up. But the the common thread I would would like to think, and I I I, I finish off with what I I hope is a funny story up up for the match mm. about it. A, a gang of lads going down to the All Ireland. Ireland final from Belfast from County Andrum, and I, I I just thought that I wanted the reader to go away with a smile, having read through some of the other uh, more perhaps more 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 difficult stories. But there's a sardonic element to it, Jerry. Even in the darkness, you, you manage to make us laugh. And is it? Uh, I think some of it is down to the the way your people use the English language. You know, it's just you've a turn of phrase that jumps off the page and I, I didn't enjoy it. I haven't I haven't sit down I only got the book the other day I haven't sit down with a whole lot of it but what I've read I've really really enjoyed you are signing it at the Marina Market tomorrow at half three yes uh, Donegal there is there uh, we're going to have a yarn about writing I mean uh, I'll just say this I don't know much time yet but one of the things that I find about writing is that like this book, and I, I was given great uh, support in this book by a man called Timothy O'Grady, uh, who's a well-known author and a good a good friend of mine. And and one of the things that and I, I wrote, I finished a lot of this during the pandemic. But one of the things that sometimes happens is the stories go off in a wee twist on their own, <laughs> and, and and the characters do things that you know you didn't actually expect them to do. So that's 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 why I find it so therapeutic. If you really get yourself immersed in it, uh, it's, it's just interesting the way the twists and turns of, of, of the distant, different stories can take the writer as well, hopefully, the reader. Mm, and a, I'm, glad you enjoyed, I'm glad you enjoyed it, yeah. DJ. No, I, 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 one of the things that the, the, the pandemic brought me personally, Jerry, was an opportunity to go to the North twice on holidays and spend maybe a week or a fortnight there and just explore. And I, I thought as an Irishman, I was... I think it was a little ashamed that I hadn't spent time there learning before. So, so to read these stories, it's 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 it it, it, it definitely definitely resonated big time with me. There's a there's a hunger strike commemoration in Cork 
this weekend, um, first time ever in Cork. You'll be down for that. So will Michelle is coming down. She's the guest speaker, and so is Mary Lou. I think. Uh, Mary Lou mightn't be there. Okay. Mary Lou's suffering from illness, but uh, Michelle certainly is the guest speaker. Okay. It's a sample at the uh, at Kennedy Key, and then making its way. That's at two o'clock at Kennedy Key, and then making its way to the National Monument at uh, at, at Grand Parade. Of course, we and uh, you, you know you we know, claim Michelle as one of our own, don't you? Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember the, the morning of the, after after the election. I, I said we, we've we've a Cork woman as as yeah. first minister elect in the North Story. I'm not even going to go there at this stage. But I do have to finish up with it by asking you one question. I know you've stepped back and we talked about that, and you're still working. But there's a there's a very very big job coming up, Jerry Adams, in November of 2025 at old job in the Phoenix Park. Will sweet will seem a good. No, Neil Simmerby, I'm going to Neil Simmerby. Corandini and Cash and Domsa Alan, I have no interest at all. And interestingly enough, I'm asked the question all the time. I've been arrested and standing in a presidential uh, election. No, not much. We're finished with uh, public office, with elected office. I. I was honoured to represent for a very long time, for decades, the people of West Belfast and then the people of uh, Louth and East uh, Mees and to be in Leinster House, to be actually elected to three parliaments at, at, in the course of it all. So, but that's done. There's a new breed, a new generation, a whole pile of young Sinn Féin candidates uh, out there looking to try and bring about enormous change. And also, if I may say so, PJ, we have an important referendum coming up, and the Irish government needs to do the prep work. You know, none of us go about our lives without planning. Even this interview it was planned. We we prepared for it, but for, for for our generation, for all of us listening to this broadcast, to have the opportunity to actually shape the plan to create a a new Ireland is just unthinkable. At, an opportunity, a tremendous opportunity, and for the Irish government not to start the necessary preparation work of discussing that, you know, what will we do with our health mm. service? Can we have a, a, a free at the point of delivery paid through taxation? All Ireland health service, can we can we crack the housing crisis? Can we get rid of poverty? Can we bring about more rights? And I'm not saying any of these issues should wait until then, but the preparatory work certainly, and and consultation with people in the north should start now and a, a, a citizens assembly is is the way to do that and when the referendum comes it shouldn't be like brexit it should be after all the careful planning work has been done and all the inclusive discussions have been held no doubt it's a discussion we will have again and possibly many more times jerry adams a pleasure to speak with you today Take care. See you, Jerry. That's Jerry Adams, author of Black Mountain and Other Stories, former president of Sinn Féin, author of about 20 books. He's been in Cork this weekend signing copies of the book. And I'm not blowing smoke anywhere that shouldn't be blown. It's a fine read. He's a bloody good writer. Oh, wait, one, eight, nine, and you know me and me Irish writers. He's a bloody good writer and a great storyteller. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM.
Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Cork's 96FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or c96fm.ie. Now, the Leaving Cert is out. We talked to some schools and we some principals. We'll have hopefully some Vox Pops with students very, very shortly. But what's going on with the grades? Because it emerged this morning that the Minister for Education, Norma Foley, had intervened with the State Examinations Commission and asked them to, to do something with the grades. I don't fully get it, but it's important, I think, that we try to understand it at least. And isn't it tip? It's down to maths. Down to maths and calculations. TJ Hegarty joins me from Breakthrough Maths. What's going on here, TJ? Make it simple for us. What is grade inflation? Morning. Morning, TJ. Thanks for having me on. I'll keep it really short and really simple. So what happened is the state examinations have put in an extra tool into the way they graded the grades this year. And to make the exams in 2023 fair and up to the same fairness as 2022 and 2021, 2020 during COVID, they've increased the grades on average by 7.9%. All right. And that means in realistic terms, right, 71% of all the grades out there Mm. were increased this year. And it's to try and match the students who they'll even start through COVID and through all them. when the teachers are correcting exams, they're trying to match the grades this year versus the COVID years. Because in the COVID years, we had predicted grades and some people sat exams and some people didn't and we had loads of figures flying around and at the end, we got a set of results and they were, they might have been calculated, shall we say. Why are we doing it now, though, when we don't have those restrictions? Uh, you're telling me, I mean, this is not what we should be doing. Um, for me, looking at this morning, I thought the right way of doing it was a surprise from Norma Foley to continue with the great inflation this year. Right? I thought they were going to bring down the, the great inflation year by year over a number of years um, after COVID. Uh, and it caused a lot of issues, uh, the great inflation. It is not a good thing. This, the, here's, the, here's the conflict, right? Students this morning will be really happy and especially surprised that their grades might be more than expected, mm. right? But what happens next Wednesday is it pays it back. And a lot of students will miss out on courses because the points for courses will be inflated. Yes, yes, yes. And that's what happens. And here is the big conundrum. And it's why, this, why grade inflation messes up the whole system. Because if you look at a student that gets the top points, right? Mm. 625 points. There are some courses that last year and again next Wednesday will require 625 points and students who get that will revert to random allocation of achieving the course. In other words, if you got top points, you're still not guaranteed if you'll get your oh course of choice. God, what a mess. What a mess. Yeah. How unfair is that? That's, that's totally unfair. That's completely unfair, TJ. And thanks for explaining it to us, but it doesn't... You've explained how it's done, and thank you. It doesn't explain the thinking of the Minister for, for Education, but that's a, matter, that's a matter for herself. Did you have students yourself, TJ, this year? 
you know, we did. Uh, I think we had over 450 leaving source students in the end. And we, we specialise in maths. I suppose if you think back to June and the all the controversy over maths paper one. Yes. And again, this morning, uh, PJ, maths was actually unfairly... Um, Maths, if you, maths actually was the only subject that went down was deflated. Right? I heard, read that in the paper. I heard it in the early morning news, and it was down to that that nasty paper one affected the overall grade. Even though at the time, I think it was either you or another maths teacher said to me, "It will level out." It hasn't, though. It hasn't. No, it hasn't. And maths is the only one that's affected this morning. And what's actually happened is. Over in last year, there was 18 percent of students received the top grade, H1 in maths. Right this morning, just under 11 percent of students received H1, the top grade in maths. All right, so that's a reduction. So students working really hard at maths and, and trying to get the grades up were actually unfairly penalised this morning. Mind you, 18 percent is almost one in five. Back in the day when I got, when I did honours maths, TJ. One in five got no. You never, you never had a, a rate of A's that used to be then one in five. Like certain subjects differ. Uh, I don't know the likes of accountancy would have upwards of like twenty-one to twenty-five percent would get top grades, oh. and it differs all around. And I think Italian actually this morning had thirty-nine percent getting top grades. Crikey, which is, which is mad. A lot of chippers opening it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Only missing. Listen, congratulations to all your students, and thank you, TJ, for explaining how it works. Why it's done, that's a matter for Norma Foley. God help us. You get a better explanation out of a stick of rock, I think. But, uh, thank you for... It's it's Matt's uh, and uh, TJ Hegarty, Matt's teacher. And there he said, he did... He, I think it was he did predict to me, after uh, paper one in the maths in the summertime was a beast of a thing. And I remember getting a copy of it, and I was good at maths. And it must have been written in Chinese, for all I could understand of it. And others, the, the, the math teachers said, look, when the grading system, when the marking system is put together, it'll level out. And he said, it hasn't. It hasn't. Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. now to the students themselves. And Orla O'Donovan from the 96FM Street Fleet has been out and about this morning talking to students from Christians. We will hear later from students at Educate Together in Wellington Road. But first, here are some of the lads from Christians. So were you happy with your results today? Yeah, delighted, absolutely. Delighted. And was there anything that surprised you in your results or you were really happy with? Um, I'm happy with Irish, obviously, because for me that's probably the most difficult subject. Um, and English and French as well, like, kinda, the languages are a bit harder, so I was happy with those. Cool. And what's the plan from here? Do you have any college plans or anything you're hoping for specifically? Yeah, hopefully I'll do um, engineering in UCC. Um, that's top of the CAO, um, so I'm from Cork and I'd like to stay in Cork, so I'm looking forward to that. And any plans for tonight? Any big plans? Yeah, just meet up with the, <laughs> the lads in town. And, um. So leaving some results today, guys, how do you feel? Yeah, I'm delighted. Um, yeah, I'm over the moon. I suppose, look, the teachers always said that the work would pay off, so I suppose today is kind of proof of that. What are your aims for after your education? Well, I suppose right now, just for college, I'm hoping to do engineering in UCC. Um, and then after that, who knows? But, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward now. If I get my course now, I'll be delighted. And then uh, I'll just go on from there. First hurdle, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, and I'm, I want to do a biochem in UCC. And then uh, I'd like to do biotech then after that. And big plans in store for tonight, lads? Yeah, yeah, I'd say 
all of Cork will be out tonight uh, in town and stuff. So uh, we'll be meeting up with our friends at say at 6 p.m. Are you happy with the results today? Oh, delighted. 625, so you can't complain, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Congratulations. Yeah. And is there anything you were like really happy with or surprised with? To be honest, I didn't. I wouldn't have put myself in this bracket at all. But uh, it's just, um, it's a great feeling to to achieve it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. And what's the plan from here? Where are you want? Where are you wanting to head from here? Uh, hopefully into, well, in college in UCC, math science would be the would be the dream. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And any plans for tonight? Any big plans? Yeah. Where are you heading? Heading to town. I'd say we haven't picked out a spot yet, but it'll be a good night, I'd say. Right. Roll with the punches. So what are the feelings this morning among yourself and the rest of the teachers here at Christians? It's a really exciting morning. Obviously, there's always anxiety in the lead up to the uh, Leaving Search Results Day. You're hoping that things will go well and things will fall their way. Uh, but when the results come back and they, they do so well, it's really rewarding and gratifying. So we're absolutely thrilled this morning. It's been a fantastic morning here. And how do you think the lads felt it being their first ever state exam that they've sat? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a real challenge. They've had to deal with COVID all the way through and the, the middle part of their secondary school experience. And, you know, that's a challenging stage of life as well. So they've had to contend with an awful lot, not having to do their, not being able to do their first state exam. Um, there's definitely a disadvantage uh, to it. Uh, it. There's a great sense of, of, of relief and, and the hope then is that you're, you'll be looking forward to the CAO offers next week. Any advice for any Leaving Starts now getting the results today? I I think following your passion is hugely important. Good, wise words at, at the end of it. Following your passion, it's hugely important. Hopefully we'll hear from students from the Educate Together before we finish uh, today at, at midday. And look, it's a day of celebration for many, many people. Some people will have been a bit disappointed when they opened their envelope this morning. We must think of those people too. And for them, and it mightn't seem like it now, Better days are coming. 0818 96 96 96. Now, in the middle of all the happiness and joy in schools these days and homes and families tonight, there's one school where they are cast into mourning by the loss of a much-loved pupil. They've issued a statement, and I will read it next. Join the conversation. This is The Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. So as every other school, many other schools are celebrating this morning. Um, one school in particular is mourning the loss of a beloved young pupil. I speak of Clarsh to Eamon Reish, uh, which was the school of young Jack O'Sullivan, who died in that tragic drowning accident yesterday afternoon in Passage. Aaron Wolf, principal of the school, has issued a statement. He said, we learned yesterday evening of the death of Jack O'Sullivan, who would be due to start second year on Monday. This is a terrible tragedy for Jack's family, for our school and for our community. We're deeply saddened by these events. Our sympathy and thoughts are with Jack's family and friends. Jack was a charming, charismatic young man with a beaming smile who represented the school in all sporting areas. We've been in contact with his parents they have requested that we all understand their need for privacy at this difficult time. Offers of support have been pouring in and are greatly appreciated. Our school has implemented our critical incident management plan 
Psychologists from NEPS, the National Educational Psychological Service, have been with us today supporting and advising teachers in their efforts to assist our students at this time. The teachers have been helping students to deal with this tragic event. The school will remain open throughout the day. We'd ask you to respect our privacy, however, at this time. Thank you. Signed, Aaron Wolf, Principal at Kloshta Eamon Reish. And thank you for that, Aaron. 0818 96 96 96. Now, there's nothing you can do sort of after a statement like that. Um, you, you, we have to move on uh, with other stuff. And, and um, down at West Cork in the West Cork Model Railway Village, they have a vacancy for a part-time train driver. Now, <laughs> Kim McNamara, help me here. They're model trains. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? <laughs> Very well. But it's not the model trains you want people to drive. Uh, no, they manage on their own. We're looking for a real size driver to drive our real size train. Okay, tell me about it. Well, our road train, which uh, runs during the summer every day and the weekends all the rest of the year, uh, we've had it on the road uh, since 2004. And it's a great uh, addition to the model village. You can go into Clonakilty and have a little tour of the town. Ah, this and is the little get, tourist so, train. Yeah. That's the one, yeah. It's a little tourist train. Yes, that's the okay. one. And, and uh, we're looking for another driver. Okay, okay. And what are the qualifications? Obviously, full unblemished driving licence. Yes, a D plus E driving licence is what's required because it's two train carriages being pulled by the train engine. It's a big old Toyota Hilux engine, so it's quite strong and it can carry up to about 45, 50 people on it. So, you know, it's a lovely job to do. It's a lovely, friendly, um, meet the people type job. Yeah, in in a fabulous, fabulous town. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you, thank you. So yeah. info at modelvillage.ie is where people can... Yeah, anyone who's interested in driving, uh, they can send their information to me and, uh, yeah, we'll meet up with them and see um, if they like the job and we like them. Mm-hmm. And if uh, we can go going forward, then uh, it's, it's a job that everyone... Um, would love to do because everyone has this thing about driving a train. I think it's kind of like one of those little dream jobs and it is a dream job. It is a dream job and anyone who's driven in the past has really enjoyed doing it, you know. How are things going at the uh, Model Railway? I've not been down there in a while but uh, it's it's just such a (laughs) wonderful facility. It is and we look, we've been very busy during the summer and you know yourself, uh, July and August are very busy and then uh, the schools go back in September, so it's a bit quiet, but we keep going. And then this Christmas, we're hoping to do our uh, Christmas event again where uh, families can come down and meet Santa and they'll get a little train ride then too. You're constantly building and expanding on it, aren't you? Constantly working well, you, more detail into it. We have to do something, yes. We always have to keep thinking going forward what we can do to improve the place. Yeah. Yes, and you have the little, little cafe now. There was a little cafe and a carriage the last time I was down there. Well, you can still go into the carriage to have your um, your cup of tea or your ice cream. We restored all that, um, which was about to fall down, so we had to we had to move the cafe into the building. So yeah, it's still available, but you can't. Uh, it doesn't move. You know that one doesn't oh, yeah. move. So you can just sit <laughs> over. <laughs> you can sit over the bay and have your cup of tea or coffee Beautiful. and your ice cream. Imagine you're travelling down the west coast of Ireland. And uh, you're overlooking Clonakilty Bay, which is beautiful. Fantastic. I mean, we'll see you sometime in, in, in September. Kim, thank you I very much. So. Kim McNamara, who's the manager of the West Cork Model Railway Village. If you have not been to it, 
put the kids in the car and take them down there. If you have no interest, even if you have no interest in trains, take them down there and show them the West Cork Model Railway Village. It's brilliant. You yourself will be the biggest kid in the room looking at it. And they want someone to drive their ting-ting. I should explain. These tourist trains, they're all over the world. You see loads of them in Spain. Loads of them. Um, the little train that goes around and shows you the sights of the resort you're in. Years and years ago, my boy christened them the ting-ting. Because of the noise they make. Ting-ting. He said, where's the ting-ting? So everywhere we go now on holidays, everywhere we go, where's the ting-ting? Are we going on the ting-ting? <laughs> so there's a ting-ting in West Cork uh, Model Railway Village and they're looking for a driver. 0818 96 96 96. Now, uh, Joe Seward, you're, you're a frequent visitor, I think, to Dublin uh, following sport. Um, I, I'll be there next weekend. I'm going up for a day next weekend, but... It's not what it used to be, is it? Good morning. Yeah, good morning, um, PJ. Um, Dublin, I suppose, very much in the news at the moment. And um, yesterday, I just happened to be in Dublin, and there was an incident on the Lewis. And, you know, incidents on the Lewis have become very frequent. Um, they tend to be, it tends to be quite a volatile place because invariably... Lewis's, um, particularly when you come in from Houston mm. into the city centre, are very, very crowded, tend to be overcrowded all the time. Uh, just a sign of the expanding population and, you know, the levels of tourism. And particularly this weekend, um, Dublin is going to be chock-a-block because I think there's almost 39,000 American people in Dublin for the, the Aer Lingus Classic in, in American football, the big colleges game. Yeah. Notre Dame and who else is playing? I can't remember. No, Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish are playing the the Navy. Yeah. So um, that's, that's a huge occasion. And given the negative publicity Dublin has had recently over the, the attacks on tourists, the American tourists and the, the English tourists, mm. uh, you, you'd imagine we'd be keen to kind of showcase the city to the best of, of its uh, wares this weekend. But yesterday on the Lewis... Um, I just witnessed an episode where an African lady was shouting and screaming for the, the duration of the journey into the city centre and became embroiled in you know, an, an, an argument with a, a local guy who proceeded to uh, let loose and he was equally vociferous back against her and uh, the Lewis was packed with um, American tourists at the time and it didn't really... Um, it didn't really bode well for uh, and, and, and portrayed the image that you'd like to have seen for Dublin. No, no, no. And the Lewis, like I'm, I'm a, you're right. It gets overcrowded and whatever. But I'm a huge fan of it. It's a tremendous service, but it does get very over, very over, overcrowded. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the problem is they can't extend the they can't extend the carriages, and it seems to be crowded all the time. Um, I, I suppose the Lewis is coming in from the suburbs in Tala and heading generally into Connolly Station and maybe to the point. And it just seems to be, particularly at weekends, you know, if there's big matches on, it's chaka-chaka. But at the best of times, it's it's full. But the, the first thing tourists would have heard were, was the warning, an automated sign warning people about pickpockets. Yeah. Um, so, And then the second thing that they w- would have witnessed yesterday was that, that argument. Now, to, the security came on very quickly. But, you know, having 
lived in London and in New York. You know, that's not something I would have witnessed too often, you know, yeah. a, a big outspoken argument. And these instances are, you know, part and parcel of everyday life you now if you're traveling on a Lewis. So mm. when, to, when tourists come across them, you know, as I say, it again, you know, reflects badly on Dublin. In a previous life, I would have been a far more frequent visitor to Dublin than, than I am now. But 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 I used to love it. I used to love the city centre and I used to love O'Connell Street. O'Connell Street is a very sad shadow of its former self. It is. I suppose from the day that maybe the big department store Cleary's closed down, um, it, it's, it's a street that's devoid of character despite the fact that there's so much history in the mm. street with the, the GPO in 1915. But now there's just a tirade of empty premises um Lots of fast food outlets and maybe lots of these kind of slot machine casino arcades. shops and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's no real character anymore and it's awash with, you know, disillusioned people, you know, a lot of people who have problems with drugs and that's just the way Dublin has become and yeah. it's sad. You well, know. It has one, well, one or two saving graces. The Gresham is still there, which is still a lovely hotel and Flanagan's is still there. I love Flanagan's. Um, I hope to pop in there next weekend, but 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 yeah, Dublin is a shadow of what it was, and like you said, the the, the Lewis, and that wasn't to have American tourists watching that yesterday in our capital city would have been upsetting. Joe, thank you very much for that. That's Joe Seward. If you're headed, look, Dublin. I love Dublin. I love the Lewis. I love going around Dublin on the Lewis. But just be careful if you're headed up there and always be wary of pickpockets. Always be wary of pickpockets. If you're getting off a train to Dublin and you're getting on to the Lewis, zip up everything that can be zipped. Zip it up. Put your wallet inside, zip it. Put your phone, zip it. Zip up everything before you set foot on a Lewis, which is unfortunate that you have to say that, but you do. Lastly, Oral has been around again with the street fleet, uh, with the people celebrating their leaving cert. Leaving cert results out today. Thousands of youngsters around the country getting their results. We've been talking to them up at Terence McSweeney's, talking to Christians. We had a great chat, though, with Sandra, who was reminding us that not everybody's results will be huge. Not everybody will get big academic high numbers. But some people will go to an apprenticeship and be ecstatic and we need more and Sanda was making the point and it's something we might come back to that you know why is it that even for an apprenticeship to be a carpenter or a plumber or a sparky or a tiler or whatever God we need thousands of them why you even need to get point that's a, probably a discussion for another day but people are celebrating around our city and around our county and around the country and it's great to get out and celebrate with them. So Orla from the Street Fleet was out about talking to students from Educate Together near us here on Wellington Road and she was also talking to Guidance Councillor Pam O'Leary. Are you happy with the results you got today? Yeah, I'm very happy. Uh, chuffed, yeah. Grades I got in languages and, and music and stuff, I'm very happy with that. I put work into it so I'm happy that I got the result at the end. Fantastic. And what's the plan after today? Um, hoping to do music in uh, MTU, so kind of popular music course there. Any advice for anyone doing their leaving cert next year? When it gets hard, you know, you do come out the other end and it is worth it. And any plans tonight? Any celebrations? Have a few uh, few small ones or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you happy with your results today? Yeah, very happy now today, yeah. And is there anything that, like, surprised you? Uh, there was two subjects I didn't think I'd do well in, but I did quite well in them. Any advice for leaving certs for next year? 
I just pull through it. It's going to look dark and bleak. It's going to feel like it's going to drag on, but it is very quick and it will pull through very quickly. Any celebrations? A few points with the family now, yeah, with the grandparents as well, so it'll be very fun now tonight. <laughs> Stunning. Is there a lot of nerves now here this morning waiting for results for the students? Um, there were in the beginning, but I think quite a lot of students were quite relaxed about it. You know, um, they went through a lot in COVID, so they are quite resilient students. So, yeah, there was a bit of nerves, but in the end, I think they were pretty relaxed, yeah. And do you think it made it maybe more difficult that it was their first state exam? Uh, yeah, I think these guys actually this year's were the most affected because they didn't do junior cycle and they didn't do um, fourth year really. So they kind of had a lot of deficits in their education. So considering that, I think the results are excellent. Do you have any advice for students now for their next education chapter? Yeah. I think that you need to start as you mean to go on. Like the students that do the best in the Leaving Cert are the ones that are consistent. They're not necessarily the students that do loads and loads and loads of study. They just start from the very beginning and just go for it from the very beginning and do a little bit all the time, you know, um, and keep going. That's Paul Leary finishing that. Thanks to Orla and the Street for their work this morning. I'm going to read this before I go. I was going to hold on to it until Monday, but I can come back to it on Monday and people can think about it over the weekend. It's to do with scooters. So I'm just going to drop it here at the end of the programme and hopefully come back to it next week because I think we need to find out where people stand here. So, uh, hi PJ, I heard you talking earlier in the summer about what happened to your daughter when her car was hit by an electric scooter. Yes. I did tell you about that. I was wondering if she ever found the rider or had any luck in getting them to pay for the damage. No. I only collected my new car a few weeks ago. It's a lovely little Hyundai 232, bright red. I've been saving for ages and I was so happy the day I collected it. PJ, last Saturday the same thing happened to me as happened to your daughter. A girl on a scooter came along the footpath, hit my passenger door as I was waiting to turn on a junction. She didn't even stop. She just turned, looked at me as if to say sorry about that, and whizzed away. Not a care in the world. There's a big dent and a big scrape on the door of my little car. I took it to a repair shop, about 600 quid to put it right. PJ just bought a new car. I don't have that kind of money. I could get it done on my insurance, but then would I have a claim against my record? Will I lose my discount for something I didn't do? Can you find out what my rights are, please, PJ? My little car isn't even six weeks old. That came in from Jen. And I leave it there. I will come back to it next week because that's worth pursuing. People whose cars have been damaged by scooters, they've absolutely no comeback. We'll have a think about that over the weekend. Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you Monday, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM.